It's New Comics Day, Wednesday, January 9th, 2019, and you're listening to God and Comics, the show that takes you into the deep end of the kiddie pool of theology by swimming in the shallow waters of the deeper-than-you-expected aquifer that is comic books. On today's show, we discuss Aquaman, which has been making quite a splash at the box office. <laughs> we'll talk about how the film relates to the comics it's based on, what it tells us about what it means to live in two worlds, and why it's making audiences around the country need to pee repeatedly while watching it. So grab yourself a glass of water and let the soothing sounds of our voices wash away the blues and, you know, replace them with other, less realistic-looking CGI blues. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am the chaplain at St. John the 23rd College Preparatory in Katy, Texas. On the line with me is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm the rector of St. George's Episcopal Church in Schenectady, New York. And also on the line is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm the rector of Church of the Messiah Episcopal Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Okay, welcome aboard, gentlemen. It's a new year. It's time for some new God and Comics. And I'll tell you what else is kind of exciting. Uh, on the day that this, not today, but on the day that this uh, airs, it will be my birthday. So ah, happy, this is the oh, happy, uh, birthday, birthday episode of God and Comics. Preemptively birthday episode of God and Comics. So there we are. Do you guys have a good Christmas? Yes. Yeah, indeed. Did you? Uh, I did. Yeah, I think so. It's all a blur. It's all a blur. <laughs> That's usually how it is. <laughs> I'm the only person left with Christmas lights up in my neighborhood fighting the good fight. Oh, really? <laughs> So you've you know. gone past uh, the trees. Uh, yeah, well, uh, in um, in most of the dioceses, most of the Catholic dioceses of the United States, the season of Christmas goes till baptism of our Lord. So uh, we see. actually have another week. Now, funny enough, in the ordinariate, it it does end at Epiphany, but uh, I work in a school of the archdiocese, so. Um, sometimes I sometimes Christmas is over for me, and sometimes it's not. <laughs> depending on where I happen to be. So, uh, we're going to have a lot of good conversation, I'm sure, about uh, about Aquaman, but first, uh, it's time for our recommendation, and for that, I turn it over to Father Matt. I've been reading everything I could get my hands on by uh, the, the writer Warren Ellis, and so um, it was only a matter of time before I, uh, I came around to reading... His groundbreaking uh, series, The Authority. Um, the Authority came out, gosh, I want to say it's, it's back in the 90s, the late 90s. Um, and um, I, I missed out on it back then. I, I, um, although I think I really would have been into it at, at that time. Um, but I didn't read it. I'm only just reading it now. I, I read it on on. Uh, DC Universe, you could pick it up there. Um, author, of course, is, is is Warren Ellis, and and um, but also uh, the the latter half of the series is written by Mark Miller, um, and I'm recommending the first uh, run of the book, which uh, I guess is it's about thirty issues, maybe twenty nine. Um, the first twelve written by. Warren Ellis himself, and the other half written by um, by Mark Miller, and um, there's a few artists on it: uh, Brian Hinch and 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 um, oh, who's the guy's name? Um, uh, Quimby, Quimby, the the guy who did the artwork for um, for for Batman with Grant Morrison. Oh, Quitely, Frank Quitely. Frank Quitely, that that's his name. Um, it's 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 a really cool book. Um, it picks up on a series that Warren Ellis did before. Uh, he he started. He was hired as a writer on um, the book Stormwatch, and and Stormwatch was um, 
part of the the wild storm uh imprint uh jim lee's kind of uh independent uh you know line of comic books and stormwatch was sort of like gosh i i remember when it came out it just sort of was kind of like a forgettable jim lee uh x-men type book (laughs) um but uh, apparently warren ellis did some very uh special things with it and the problem was nobody was reading it um and so he eventually kind of uh ended stormwatch and and restarted with a lot of the characters that he created through that series um and formed this 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 book called the the authority and the authority is sort of there's sort of a, a take in some ways on the justice league um Probably most famously, uh, two of the characters from the Authority are sort of analogs for Batman and Superman, uh, the Midnighter and and Apollo. Um, and this is the main thing I knew about the book before, because uh, Apollo and Midnighter are a couple. Um, and and I think I had kind of avoided the book for a while because I thought, oh, that's sort of like a gimmick, you know? It's sort of silly. Um, but the characters are actually really pretty cool, um, and um, and and they don't make it. It isn't. They don't make a huge deal about that. Just an interesting, you know, detail about their characters. Um, and there are there are a few other characters in the book. Um, the the team is headed up by Jenny Sparks, who's like sort of this hard drinking, chain smoking, like. She looks young, but she's actually a hundred years old. She's the spirit of the tw- the twentieth century. Um, and then there's uh, um, there's the engineer who who is she's she's uh, a character who's got this these technological implants inside of her, kind of uh, very cool type character. Um, the doctor. Who is uh, the? He's like a shaman. He's 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 got like kind of like Doctor Strange type abilities, but um, he's he's also a junkie. <laughs> so it's sort of an edgier take on the Justice League in some ways. And then there's Jack Hawksmore, who who just looks like kind of a tough guy in a suit and and bare feet, but he's uh, he's 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 interesting. He he kind of. Um, bounces around like spider-man he wall he runs over walls and stuff he's the god of cities and he sort of he has like this kind of communion with cities and draws his power from the city um and then there's swift who is like a winged uh huntress type type character um it's 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 an exciting uh superhero book and they they live in this or they operate out of this um, this huge ship called the carrier, um, which can shift between dimensions. They call it the bleed and go into sort of, you know, alternate earths and stuff like that. And, um, they protect the, 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 the world from like, you know, uh, massive terrorist threats. And, um, and some of the, the first uh, arc of the story, they're defending the Earth from uh, of like an international terrorist organization. The second half, there's, there's there's this alternate Earth that's invading ours called Sliding Albion. That's um, you know uh, made up of aliens who had invaded the Earth in the 16th century and intermingled. And they have sort of like the British Empire. It's it's very creative. Um, very, it's an exciting, action-packed book. Definitely worth checking out. Um, and um, Mark Miller's run on the book is 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 equally is 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 interesting. Um, he even creates sort of a a mad scientist character um, who uh, is sort of like a Jack Kirby, and he's created all these uh, super soldiers that are kind of analogs of the Avengers and stuff. In some ways, um, it's a fun, fun read. Uh, you could, uh, at least as I 
as I'm saying this, it's all up on 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 uh, DC Universe. But um, after after Volume One, they've they've continued it. It's gone on. Uh, you know, it's been relaunched a number of times. It um, the characters have been mainstreamed into the DC Universe um, at least during the new 52, which was sort of interesting because Apollo and Midnight are so much like Batman and Superman. Um, but Midnighter even pops up in, in, uh, in Grayson, the book, of, uh, the book about Dick Grayson. Um, and there's been some solo books of the Midnighter too, that I, I actually just started reading, um, that are actually pretty cool. Um, so there's been a number of spinoffs. It's generated this whole kind of universe of superheroes, which has been uh, really exciting. Uh, and in fact, the the way I came into it is through the relaunch of of uh, Wildstorm, which I recommended in an earlier podcast. So definitely check it out. The Authority by Warren Ellis. It's a it's a it's a fun superhero book but an edgy kind of offbeat take on superheroes, which if you've listened to my recommendations before, you know, I'm fond of those types of books. I think it would be great if somehow they could like team them up, team up the authority with the question. And then you could have question authority. That would be the name of the book. You see. But I'm Oh, <laughs> I-, I would read that. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> It sounds like it would be kind of cool. I mean, I like the question. I have like he would. Be. <laughs> I have like forty issues of the question that I got for like twenty five cents a piece a couple years ago, sitting in my closet, still waiting for me to read them. Uh, but someday, someday, I will. He was really cool in the Justice League uh, Unlimited yes, cartoon. Yes, yes, absolutely. It, they they used his character, and it was. He, Sort of a C less DC character, but they really, you know, he stole the show in a lot of ways. He was mm, cool. Absolutely. Well, you did answer answer a conundrum for me, Matt. I never knew who the Midnighter was. He's appeared in Batman and Robin Eternal, and in the yeah. Grayson stuff that you referenced, and uh, the Grayson book that you referenced. And I had no clue who he was. He, he, seen... he yeah. He, I mean, he's kind of like. He he wears like this leather like long leather yeah. trench coat and he wears this like leather mask. I mean, he looks like he's walked out of like some sort of fetish bar. Like he <laughs> and he. <laughs> I mean, no, and he's and he's he's a bit of a sadist, you know. Yeah. And and the uh, Apollo is this kind of you know he's got this long platinum hair, you know, he's kind of an Adonis, like you know, a god, you know, like Apollo. But uh, I mean, they're opposites. Um, but I mean, it's, it, they're an amusing kind of, uh, tribute to Batman and Superman. And the Midnighter's always being chased by his nemesis, the 1AMer. <laughs> but I'm Man, the jokes just keep on coming, everyone. This is the moment when everyone's really thankful that we don't edit the show as much anymore. Yeah. Okay, this well... Is what you yeah. That's right. This is the sort of thing that I used to edit out. Uh, all right. On that uh, on that happy note, we move on to our main discussion uh, about Aquaman. Uh, of course, the new Aquaman film. Uh, I guess it's not that new anymore. It's been out for um, for for a bit now, uh, but it's uh, it's been doing really well. Uh, I'm not sure how much of it doing really well has to do with the film itself and how much it has to do with uh, the fact that it's not really up against anything at the moment in terms of a, a similar a similar film. But uh, let's just start with uh, some reactions to the film, and then we can kind of talk a little bit more about how it fits into um, the pantheon of comics. So um, let's start with Father Kyle. Father Kyle, what did you think of Aquaman? I thought it was a good film, not a great film. Um, I think that the, my initial reaction to it was that it was long and, um, and it's sort of drug in the middle. But, um, but I mean, 
it, it was a fine story. I, um, I didn't walk away from it uh, needing to see it again instantly, but it's a film I would probably watch again. I think they did a pretty good job of, um, of kind of telling Aquaman's story in a, um, in a very cohesive way. I think that the, my initial reaction at the very conclusion of the film was, boy, this seems a lot like Jeff Johns and the, the new 52 Jeff Johns Aquaman. And lo and behold, Jeff Johns had a hand in writing the film. So, um, they pulled a lot of those elements in, but, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a fun film. It was a good film. Again, I think it was just a little bit too long, uh, two and a half hours. But that that's my first take on it. Okay. Father Matt, how about you? What did you think? Well, I, I just saw the film yesterday. And, um, I mean, I, I it, was, it was a blast. I mean, I had a lot of fun uh, watching the movie. Um, I mean, I usually do with these superhero movies. I mean, because in a lot of ways, it's always just exciting just to see these characters on the big screen. Um, and and I, I, I'm an Aquaman fan. I love the, the Jeff Johns New 52 run. Um, and so I was excited to see a lot of those elements. Um, the, the I mean, the movie... I was a little worried back, I mean, what was it, a couple of years ago now when they announced they were making the Aquaman movie and they released the kind of promotional images. And, and I just thought, like, this looks like really heavy handed and dark. And like, I mean, it's just not going to work for Aquaman. And I questioned whether or not they could even make an Aquaman movie at all. Um I mean, I, I'm a fan of the Aquaman comics, in, in part because they're so fantastical and uh, absurd in a lot of ways. I mean, colorful, crazy, but I, I thought, like, is that ever going to transfer into film? Um, but they pulled it off um, impressively in a lot of ways. I mean, the movie looks really cool, especially... Um, especially Atlantis, um, which, which I, I thought I thought looked pretty neat, and and I mean, yeah, it's 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 pretty animated, it's pretty CGI, but it, I mean, I'm just impressed that they were maybe able to make a movie that took place underwater at all. Um, but it, it, and and it's funny; they don't take themselves too seriously. It's got a lot of cool action. Uh, Black Manta was awesome in it. I thought he he was a cool looking villain. Um, the Ocean Master was pretty cool. I mean the 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 trench monsters that show up in the film looked great. Um, and Aquaman himself, I mean, you know, um, he was entertaining to watch. Um, and Mara, 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 Mara certainly looked the part. Um, but. Was it a great film? I, you know, I, I'd agree with Father Kyle. I think it, it's 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 a fun film. It it wasn't great. Um, I, I think DC is 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 learned a bit from, um, or, or they're standing on the shoulders a bit of of Marvel. Um, this this reminded me a lot of um, Thor Ragnarok in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean the. Aquaman's character is sort of, you know, Jason Momoa is kind of like uh, a Chris Hemsworth type, you know, big, handsome, you know, biker looking guy, funny, um, but not as funny, <laughs> um, not as charming. Um, and, and, and the movie's fun and, and funny even, but not quite as fun and funny as Thor Ragnarok. I mean, and it has um, this you know, this kind of epic, uh, you know, all these different worlds and and you know, fantastical characters in it, like like the Thor Rag. But it, it it's sort of limping behind a little bit. Um, and maybe it, you know, if this movie had been made before, maybe I'd think differently. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun movie, but it ultimately. Um, the plot's a little thin, I think, 
are very thin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's sort of formulaic in a lot of ways. Yeah. Even some of the gags, like they do the same gags over again. Like in, in the beginning of the film, um, Nicole Kidman eats a goldfish, and you know, the ha, that, that was funny. But then later in the film, the actress that plays Mara eats a rose. And it was like, didn't we do this gag already? Um, I mean, there were there was there was you know an unexpected you know attack and explosion in the beginning, and then that happened like three or four or five more times in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, and then they did like they tried to bring in like this socially conscious like you know elements like pollution, but it felt like just kind of shoehorned in a little bit. A little forced, and it, it it felt extraneous to the movie. Um, so I mean, it, it's a fun movie. It's it's a great kind of you know blockbuster movie, um, but it sort of ends up being like the poor man's um, Thor Ragnarok in a, in a lot of ways. Or and it's it, it, it there's parts of it that are derivative of the Black Panther too. I mean. We we have the, the 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 gladiator type fight in in the film, which is like Thor Ragnarok, but it's also kind of like you know a fight for the throne, which is like exactly like the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, so I well, mean, it, they're they're sort of retreading some ground that Marvel has already done and done kind of better. I, I mean, want- at least they sort of beat Marvel to the punch before they brought out the Submariner film. <laughs> Uh, I want to. I do want to come back to to a couple of those things, um, but you know, in general, I you know, I think I I basically agree with you guys. I, when after I saw it, um, my response when people were asking me what I thought of it was that I I said it was the world's most okayest movie. Uh, it was like it was flagrantly okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, it, it, a lot depends on what scale you're comparing it on. Uh, if you compare it on the scale of the DCEU as a whole, uh, it is, it, it, it's leagues better than everything they've done except for Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. Wonder Woman is considerably yeah. better, however, than Aquaman is. Um, this is better than the Justice League. It's far better than yeah. Justice League. It's, um, uh, way better than man of steel or, or batman v superman um and and even you know considerably better than suicide squad um so so it, i mean it's got all of that going for it um and like you all said i mean it's it's it it looks very nice i i really didn't i thought a lot of the jokes honestly really didn't land um you know i could tell they were trying to get some humor into it but um, but it was, you know, there was a certain amount of cheese to it that you could embrace. Um, I, our, yeah. our friends, uh, Alexi and, and Leah, who were, who were talking about this online after they went and saw it and they said the best place to see it is in an Alamo draft house. I don't know if you guys have those where you are, but they, they have them here in no. Texas. They have them here in Texas is where they started, and apparently they have them in New York now too. But basically in the Alamo Draft really? House, uh, you go to see movies, and they have it set up in such a way so they can bring you food and alcohol uh, while, oh, you are, yeah. while you are watching the film. We and, have places like that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and so like they, they, their point was uh, you should go see it and then have a sort of alcoholic uh, ice cream slash beverage thing at the end of the film. And ice I... And, <laughs> I, I responded to this and said, "Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I did see it in an Alamo Draft House, but I didn't, did not think to do that." And Leah's response, well, that was, well, that was a missed opportunity because this film is a spiked milkshake, uh, <laughs> and she, and she, I think she meant that lovingly. Every way of describing it. Yeah, I think yeah. she meant that lovingly. Like it's, it's just, you know. You just kind of have to go along for the ride, and once you once you realize that's the sort of movie it is, you can you can kind of get into it a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, it it was fun to watch while I was watching it, although I had to pee like three times while I was watching it. 
because all the water huh? exactly like you're just constantly <laughs> it's like water all the time you know flowing through wow. the film yeah so i guess so just be prepared for that friend and i i don't know but if that happened to you guys too but i've talked to numerous people who have told me the same thing no, it actually so, didn't, and I'm the guy who's got to pee all the time. That's anymore, true, but, that's true. Well, uh, you know, some of you may want to just wait until you can get it on video and pause the thing as as you wish, <laughs> um, so you, you can take care of that. Um, but, uh, you know, it was it was fun while I was watching it. Plot didn't make any sense, but who cares, right? It was... <laughs> <laughs> it made enough sense, right? I mean, it, you know, it was, yeah, okay, this it, is what they want. Uh, I don't quite know why he wants to rule the ocean, but uh, sure, why not? We'll go with that. Um, and, uh, you know, and about 15 minutes after I saw the movie, it was almost entirely gone from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, mean, yeah. I mean, this this movie plots itself. You know, you you, I mean, you have the characters are all in place and it just goes, you know, the rightful heir to the throne, mm-hmm. you know, the half brother ambitious, you know, the surface world and the Atlantean world and, uh, you know, the war between the two. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. It C- just goes. CGI but can do surprise, really. CGI can do amazing things now. It can it can show you what battles underwater look like. It can make Willem Dafoe and Nicole Kidman look young. It can do all kinds of things <laughs> that you never would have expected. Um, although you know, kudos to Nicole Kidman. I think you know, still looking yeah, good at fifty one. She does. She mm-hmm. does. Uh, no, my, my, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I think visually it was a wonderful looking movie. And I, I think, again, the various things that they were able to pull in were a lot of fun. I love the, the trench scene uh, oh, yeah. because the trench that, um, you know, portion of Jeff John's run on Aquaman and the new 52 was really cool and dark and scary. And I think they did an awesome job with the trench. Oh, absolutely. Um, that was very cool. But, you know, the thing that my criticism of the movie is my criticism of Man of Steel. And that's the endless fight after fight after fight after fight. At a certain point, I felt like, which fight am I in now? And, um, and I think that's unfortunately becoming the staple of a lot of superhero movies. Uh, you know, I went back and at Christmas time and, uh, watched one Christmas classic and uh, one not Christmas classic, and that is Tim Burton's two Batman movies, Batman Returns being the Christmas classic. And, um, and you know, there were fight scenes in there, but it wasn't every single piece of the movie. Yeah. And that's what I feel like a lot of superhero movies are, are kind of degenerating into today is just an endless battle with a very thin story woven through it. And that's kind of how I felt about Aquaman. I think you're I think you're right about that and particularly with Aquaman although uh to to be fair they did learn I think at least one lesson uh from Man of Steel and that is that he does actually care about collateral damage, right? Like sure. you see him actually saving people. Yeah. And I think that was part of the big problem with Man of Steel was it just seemed like Superman, uh, that depiction of Superman was not that interested in what happened to other people. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree with which that. Which is why when they made Justice League, they had to go out of their way to add all of this stuff, you know, like the footage at the beginning of Justice League that, oh, you know, he used to save people and blah, 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 to kind of make us actually have some nostalgia for wanting to bring him back from the dead yeah. because otherwise yeah. <laughs> we're just like, well, good riddance. He just messed up our city and let everybody die and you know yeah so i mean and we actually have a likable hero in this film oh sure oh, yeah absolutely you you absolutely. you like arthur i mean he's a he's a flawed character mm-hmm. i mean for mm-hmm. sure and we'll get and we can get into that i mean and i think those are some of the more interesting elements of the film so how um, do you think you know we yeah. we've already talked a little bit about the, the the way that this film uh drew from source material particularly from the jeff johns uh, run of Aquaman, which was was nice to see. How do you all think, on the whole, this Aquaman fits into the history of the character coming out of comics? Because I I would say prior to this film, uh, th- this Aquaman was very much not 
really very connected to it. And that was kind of okay, because he was interesting in his own right. Um, but, you know, he just kind of seemed like this, like, alternative, uh, you know, metal version, heavy metal version right. of um, of Aquaman. Uh, and in this film, it seemed to me like they were trying much more intentionally to co- sort of bring him in. You know, we actually see him in the orange and green. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and he gets a trident that's actually a trident and not a 5.4 fork like he'd been using before. Yeah. So, so wh- wh- how do you all see uh, this fitting and how do you all see him fitting into uh, the history of the character? Well, I think that appearance-wise, I mean, this is how I interpreted his appearance in Justice League. I think appearance-wise, they were attempting to harken back to the 1990s Aquaman. You know, the 90s Aquaman was the guy with the long hair and the beard, and that was the first time that we had an Aquaman that looked like that. Um, I had a friend who actually criticized the movie and didn't really want to go see the movie because he's like, it didn't look like Aquaman at all. And I was like, well, it does. It, it, it looks like an iteration of Aquaman, yeah, sure. um, but it doesn't look like the classic Aquaman that some of us old timers grew up with, with super friends, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so um, I do, I do think you're right. I think they sort of toned him down a little bit on a certain level from how he first appeared in justice league. Um, and I think for the better, perhaps. And uh, I'm not overly familiar with some of the deeper um, past issues of Aquaman. My, a lot of my reading has revolved around the current iterations of Aquaman. So I can't really speak to, um, to how true to form the movie is in comparison to, let's say, like the 1960s version of Aquaman. Well, I, I I have a real fondness for the Silver Age uh, Aquaman stories. I mean, and 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 um, I think they capture some of that Silver Age character, and I was pleased with that because I think that's what saved this movie. Because if they tried to make like like a really like heavy handed like serious Aquaman, with, <laughs> I mean, you know, Aquaman's too much. Um, uh, of the butt of a lot of jokes unjustly in a lot of ways, because he's a cool character and he's, he, he's actually a formidable character, but, um, but they, they, they took some of those elements from the, um, the, what you said, the, the Peter David like 1990s, uh, Aquaman, which made him kind of a, I mean, you know, he, a raging kind of, uh, you know, long hair, you know, he was, he was just, you know, ripped kind of dude. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's cool. They, we, we've seen that Aquaman, you know, we, in, in like in the Justice League cartoon that, that they made. Yeah. I kept waiting um, for him to lose his hand. Right. And like, be, right. Be yeah. Well, I, I was, I was almost waiting <laughs> for him to like lose his hand and for i mean so uh, you know uh, that's all that's part of aquaman's character i mean aquaman sometimes has suffered from inconsistent depictions mm-hmm. um you have like the kind of you know kind of uh you know jokey aquaman who's sort of a i mean in the batman brave in the bold cartoon <laughs> I, that's I the mean, best he, aquaman he, right there he, he's great he's great but like it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. I, I kind of, I always liked the Silver Age Aquaman. I, I liked how colorful he was. Oh, me too. And, and I, I mean, he seemed, seemed sort of like a blonde underwater Superman, you know, the clean cut kind of look to him. Um, and I, 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 you know, I don't know, the, the, the artist in me likes how secondary his colors are. You know, he's orange and green. You know, he's not red and blue. You know, he's orange and green. It's very secondary. But um, but they, they, they managed to integrate a lot of those different depictions of Aquaman and bring a lot of those uh, elements from the stories into, in, 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 into the movie. Um, they had, you know, elements from the Jeff Johns. They had elements from... Peter David, and they had elements from Silver Age, Aquaman, even the cartoon with the like bongo playing, 
uh, octopus, octopus yeah. which, which which felt like they really took the character seriously. Um, oh, plus, you can't forget the fact that they had him riding on the seahorse, like on Super Friends. Oh yeah, oh that yeah, was, exactly. That was a good moment. Ex- exactly, and and yeah, I mean, they, there's been different depictions of Aquaman. I, like in the, there's a great Keith Giffen uh, take on Aquaman from the '80s, where um, you know his, his his orange shirt is because he, you know, he was a prisoner. You know, when he returns to Atlantis and that's his his prison uniform and he leads like a revolt. That's I mean, right. they, they, I mean, they didn't really <laughs> use that storyline. He's the Luke know, Cage all. of the sea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I, it, I, it, it felt like a, a, a faithful and endearing uh, take on the character, which I was happy with as, you know, an Aquaman fan. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a minute about the role of hierarchy and monarchy in this film. Um, that may seem like a, a, a strange little departure, but it is. it does seem so central if you're going to actually take seriously the plot, which we've already pointed out has, has a number of holes in it. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, even just with the character of of Aquaman himself, right? We have Arthur, right? Who's very much clearly playing on the King Arthur legend, uh, the lost city of Atlantis, of course, another um, myth that that uh, Aquaman as a character is built on. Uh, but you have this whole idea of the uniting of kingdoms under, under one uh, individual that, uh, that that comes out in this film um, another thing that Alexi was saying is it's a good year for, for uh, divine right of kings in comic book films because you had Black Panther and now you have <laughs> Aquaman <laughs> right. with that. Uh, but what do you guys think of that? What do you think of the role of monarchy in this film? And what do you think of the g- sort of general role of, of hierarchy uh, in the movie? Well, th- there's a great line from the movie and I, and I and I wish I could quote it directly, but I made a note of it when I heard it because I thought this is God in comics material. <laughs> they they said um, you're more than just a king. You no know, king only cares for his own people. You're a hero. You care for uh, you know every everyone everyone. You look out for everyone um, and. You know, there's this idea here in, in, in the book, you know, we, we, we long, C.S. Lewis said this once. I mean, we, we, we long, there's part of us that longs for, to look up to royalty, you know? And, and if we don't have royalty to look up to, you know, we, we make royalty out of like, you know, mobsters or, or, or models or actors or musicians, you know, we look up to them. Um, but the problem is that royalty, you know, so often falls short of our hopes and, and our, and our, and our standards, you know? Um, and here you have Aquaman who is like a, a true King who's going to unite the world in peace, you know? And, and I, I mean, it's a very Christ-like image, um, you know, the, 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 the king who's going to unite heaven and earth, or in this case, uh, you know, the land and the sea. Um, Aquaman, it, 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 he's, he's, you know, he, in classic mythical form, he, he's, you know, uh, he's, he's from two different worlds. He's, he's, he's half. He's half from the land. He's half from the sea. Um, but he, they even describe him in the film as a bridge. You know, you, you have a you have foot in both worlds, so you can be the mediator between these two worlds, you know. Um, and then again, that's, that's a very Christ-like image. Christ is the, the mediator between heaven and earth. I mean, the difference is, of course, that, uh, you know, um, Christ is not like a, a, a you know a hybrid a, a, a half man half god but 100% man 100% god 
but I think that's kind of the what they're they're getting at with Aquaman. He's he's very much a member of of the human race. I mean, he there's that he's one hundred percent a surface dweller, but then he's also you know very much of his mother's you know line of of Atlantis. You know he's he's. He, he he's uh, you know he he brings the two worlds together. He's the mediator between the land and the sea. So you know he's this king that's able to mediate and and sort of bring the world together. Um, and I, I think it's it it strains towards uh, you know the real hope that we have, which is of course as Christians we believe is fulfilled and, and the only one who's worthy to rule. The, the 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 Lord and King of the Universe, Jesus Christ. You 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 hit the nail on the head with that one line, and I I'd forgotten it, but I had the same reaction that you did uh, when they when they talk about a king versus a hero and the idea of yeah. the bridge. And as soon as they said the bridge, I had the picture in my mind from the the like Sunday school image they show of like humanity and God and the gulf of sin uh-huh. between them, and you know Jesus as the bridge. Um, but, but particularly thinking about it in terms of, of the king, and I think this is something that is, is sometimes very difficult for us to grasp in the West and in America, where we have a very different story, uh, of our own origins, um, that, uh, the role of the king, uh, is, is very much a, is always very much a bridge role. That the king yeah. is the embodiment of a people and the embodiment in in some sense of divinity to that people. So the king represents divinity to the people and represents the people to their divinity. And you can see that um, in the kinds of uh, ceremonial, for instance, religious ceremonial that, that follows around... Um, coronations look up sometime you know the whole thing is on youtube the uh, coronation of queen elizabeth ii in the 1950s and you can see uh in in the religious ceremonial of that the way in which she is anointed for this role of monarch and of sovereign right like that's one of the titles of the monarch is the sovereign uh and using the royal we you know there is a representative function that takes place in that. Um, and that the, the king is the person who can unite kingdoms, but also who can stand in the place of kingdoms. Kingdoms rise and fall with the courage uh, uh, or the, um, the forthrightness or the truthfulness of the king. Um, and so I, I don't think that it, you know, however one feels about actual kings, um, all of that ultimately is pointing to, uh, the reality of the true king. Um, and that this is one of the, you know, of course we're coming off of epiphany here. So this is one of the things that we, uh, meditate on, right? The, the gift of gold is the gift of the, um, from the Magi. Right, is a, is a gift of kingship, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's other themes that run through the through the movie too, with the usurped king, the power of the. With, how do I say this? It's late. My brain's not working. The uh, <laughs> the usurped kingship right. that right. Um, that Orm holds, right? Um, you can see some some echoes in terms of Satan in there. You certainly don't want to press the analogy too far because then you end up with a Mormon Jesus. Um, <laughs> That's his you know, brother. His brother That's right. is the devil, right? Yeah. So we don't want to go that far. But, I mean, I certainly think he doesn't rightfully hold that throne. He's taken that throne. Um, and so the king comes back to take his own throne back in, in Aquaman. And um, I think you see something of the Christian story in that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this yeah. idea, too, of, like, royal blood, which is also something I think, again, is, like, very difficult for us, you know, formed in not only the reality of 
American democracy, but in the kind of mythos of the American spirit from which, you know, the person emerges from humble roots to do such and such. It's very hard for us to get our heads around the idea of, um, you know, of a hereditary, (laughs) uh, of a monarchy that's built on blood. And yet, um, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that we should, I mean, I, I think representative democracy is a good thing, but I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is it's hard to understand the idea of Jesus in his kingship. If we don't understand that, right. Part of the issue with Herod, with King Herod, uh, and the reason why he wants to slaughter all of the children under the age of two or all of the male children under the age of two is because he's scared to death of losing mm-hmm. the illegitimate throne that he holds because he yeah, knows right. he doesn't have a drop of David's blood in him. Right. He's a Jumaian. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and it's more than just the hereditary though. I mean, because he's, he's, uh, he has this anointing, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, he's chosen, he's worthy. I mean, they have that whole, I mean, authorian, uh, themes that run through i mean his name's arthur right mm-hmm. um but i mean you know uh, he only he can 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 take up the you know the 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 trident you know only the true king you know and and, and i mean it you know has all this you know uh, uh you know parallels to excalibur you know that he's the chosen one you know he's um and and you know, and, and and we see the film, not not to spoil things, but this is a bit of a spoiler. I mean, he has to go down to basically the underworld, to, you know, to retrieve this uh, this 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 trident. You know, it it, it has this. Uh, it, it very much has has this uh, Christ like journey to the underworld uh you know and he's going to rise victorious to conquer i mean they i i have to believe that that was being consciously uh um you know uh, drawn upon for 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 the, the climax of this film um as long as we're as we're throwing out potential spoilers uh, and this is, I think this is a pretty minor spoiler, but it is a little bit of a spoiler. So, um, you know, just to let you all know at home. Um, but, uh, one thing that happens fairly early actually in the film, uh, is an incident in which, um, Arthur is fighting with, uh, Black Manta and his father and, uh, through a series of events, um, his father is put in a position where uh, he's going to die. Uh, his father's a bad guy, right? I mean, it's not he's not a good guy. Uh, but he's put in a position where he's going to die unless uh, Arthur saves him, and Arthur chooses at that moment not to save him, which is, of course, how we get the kind of uh, intense hatred towards him that, that Black Manta shows from that moment forward. Uh, but this is a pretty formative moment for him. Uh, they do revisit it a little bit later on in the film. Uh, but I, I did kind of want a little bit more reflection on that. I thought maybe it deserved a little bit more than they gave it. Um, what do you all think? Because that I think that is such a crucial thing uh, in terms of the difference between a hero and not a hero. That the hero is the person who saves even the person who doesn't deserve saving. Yeah, no, I mean, that was, uh, I think that was a very human moment Mm -hmm. um, for him. And I think that some of what he goes through is a little bit redemptive and leading towards the end in light of that. Right. Um, He's certainly in that moment acting out of a place of, of anger and, uh, and vengeance almost. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's going to sound weird, but I'm going to say that I kind of appreciated that they had that in there. 
because one of the things that DC characters often get accused of is being too godlike, too perfect. And I think that was, as I said, I think that was a very human moment. And, um, and it was kind of good to see that and, and see how he changed by the end of the film. Yeah, I mean, this is an origin film. I mean, um, this is Aquaman becoming the hero. I mean, he's already been in the Justice League in some ways, which, they, I mean, let's be honest, they jumped the gun with the Justice League. The Justice League movie should have came after this. Um, because we, we hadn't really even gotten to know Aquaman yet. We didn't really get to see the hero's you know, origin yet, his, his becoming the hero. Uh, in, in the beginning of the film, he's, he's sort of, he's, you know, he's doing some heroic things, but uh, we see him come full circle in, in, in the movie. We see him uh, take up his destiny um, and, and to become a king, but more than a king, a hero, as we've been saying, someone who cares not just for his own, but for everyone, even his enemies. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they they don't resolve that and they don't spend a lot of time on it. But I think that's going to be the, you know, should there be a sequel, this is going to be the major focus of, of, of the sequel is going to be, you know, his reckoning with that, you know, choice that he made in the moment to, you know, not do the right thing. And now he's made this, you know, blood enemy, Black Manta. Um, and another element that's that's very, uh, you know, th- this is all for part of the character of Aquaman from the comics. Um, even the Silver Age comics take some pretty dark turns with, with his battle with Black Manta and, you know, their, their sort of tit-for-tat war on each other becomes... Um, I mean, if you, if you know anything about the Aquaman books, Black Manta um, kills Aquaman's son in vengeance um, for the death of his father. And it's for, it's sort of for a, a, a book of its day, it was sort of a hard-hitting storyline. Um, so I don't know where they'll go with that in, 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 in the in the upcoming films. Um, you know, should there, which you know, this has been a success. We we should expect the sequel. I'd be um, surprised. In if some ways, it could that. be a better movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Aquaman two: Rise of the Plankton. You know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there is so much more, I'm sure, that we could say about uh, Aquaman, certainly as we uh, think more about the history of the character. Uh, We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about Aquaman, about the film, about the character, about anything related to us. Hit us up on social media, will you? We are on Facebook, just like your grandparents. We are on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash godandcomics. Or you can tweet at us just like, you know, your parents. Uh, and that is uh, at God and Comics on Twitter. We're on, we're at God and Comics, or twitter.com slash God and Comics will get you there as well. But for now, we're going to move on to our final segment, This or That. This or that, this or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Huh? All right. Take it away, Father Kyle. Okay, my first one tonight goes to Father Jonathan. Superman or Shazam? Oh, Superman. Superman. That's not even a hard one for me. And I, I don't I don't hate Shazam. I like Shazam. I think uh of course I I guess we should call him Captain Marvel, shouldn't we? Um, no, his name changed the other way. I can't. He was always Captain Marvel, but they recently he's become Shazam now. That's that's annoying. Yeah, and that's that's a dumb name. <laughs> it's a cool it's name the for the wizard. Says, it's not a good yeah. Anyway, but uh, you know, and uh, well, and of course, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll call him Shazam. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Whatever, but he's derivative, right? Like, I mean, he's it, yeah. it's fun and he's interesting, you know. And like the whole thing with that character is, um, they 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 one upped, right? So like up till then, you had like they were creating um, sidekicks as a way to give the the kids who were reading 
uh, a way to be in the story. And then they're like, wait, we can make it even more so. This actually is a kid who becomes a Superman character. But like, you know, I mean, I, I think the the irony of the whole thing with Shazam is he was basically invented by Fawcett to be a, a Superman competitor. And then, of course, DC ends up with this character and like, what do you do with him? And I think they've done some interesting stuff with him, but um, oh, but yeah. he's he's never going to be Superman, you know. Yeah, no, no, I would agree with you on that. And if you want a different name for him, you can call him the Big Red Cheese. <laughs> that's his other name. Okay, that works. Now then, then you've got, of course, you've got the whole. See, that's the problem. How do you how if if he's Shazam now and he's not Captain Marvel? How, what do you do with the Marvel family? I know it just it doesn't work. I'm just. I'd like, Are they I, called they, the Shazam I, family now? They don't anyway, he, he could never say his name without transforming. Yeah. It's like, what's your name? <laughs> well, it's uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Jeff Johns is writing a new um, is writing a new book of him. Well, so his his his, uh, his series that he already wrote, right? Um, the mini series is excellent, and it looks yes. like. The movie is based on that, like, almost directly. Yeah. I mean, it looks very close to it. Can we just call yeah. him The Rock? Can we just do The that? Rock? Yeah. That might be copyrighted already. Let's just call Shazam The Rock. <laughs> Although The Rock, I think The Rock's actually going to be in that, isn't he? Isn't he going to play Black... Black? Um... I hope so. He would Not be really. perfect for Black Adam. Black Adam, yeah. That'd, yeah. Be, cool. that'd be cool. Maybe they should just call him Captain DC. Captain DC. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right. Matt, yours is next. And the, this is a musical one. Black Sabbath or Heaven and Hell? I'm not sure I know Heaven and Hell. It's but the... Black Sabbath rocks. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, so Heaven and Hell is the Ronnie James Dio version of Black Sabbath. Oh. Oh, no, no. I mean... Yeah, no, Ozzy Sabbath all the way. Ozzy Sabbath. I would agree. Ozzy Sabbath is the best. I do like Dio. I do. but I, 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 I mean, Dio, oh my gosh. I remember my brother had that. It, that's what it is. My brother had this record of like a demon like drowning a priest in like the water. It was like, it looked so evil to me. Like I felt like burning it. <laughs> I would give me nightmares as a child to see that image. That's funny. Yeah. No. No. We. Yeah. I still have nightmares about that. There's. All right. Um. Bef- before you go to the next one, I'm just I'm just looking it up because I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the exact uh, song that they 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 covered. Um. But I think I've talked before in here about Brass Against the Machine, haven't I? If no. not. You all need to know about Brass Against the Machine. They are uh, so War Pigs. That's the song they cover. Yeah, um, War Pigs. Yeah, they um, they it's a you know horns and tubas and all that kind of. They have you know uh, they started out just covering Rage Against the Machine songs, uh, um, and now they've feeling. like expanded out to uh, some Tool and some Black Sabbath and some other stuff like that and it is so good you guys have to check I'll, out I'll Brass Against the Machine yes I'll look it up have to check it out here here we'll do just a we'll do like 30 seconds of of War Pigs Construction 
Yeah, so there you go. That just that just gives you a little taste of that, right? I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I'll check that out for sure. All right, number three, Father Jonathan, Laverne or Shirley? <laughs> well, um, one of them just died, didn't they? Didn't uh, yes, yes. Penny Marshall just died, right? Marshall. So was she Laverne? Laverne. Yeah, yes, she was. Laverne. So I guess out of out of respect for her, I'll go with Laverne. Okay. Laverne seemed to have a little bit more of the personality between the two, truthfully. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four, Father Matt, Swamp Thing or Man Thing? I mean, no contest, Swamp Thing. I mean, Swamp Thing, swamp thing it just, I mean, with Alan Moore's run, it just took a whole other leap into the metaphysical <laughs> Um, with, which uh, transcended the monster genre to go into, you know, the occult depths. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, it's such a cool book. I mean, and, and then it, it's, been, it's been written, um, you know, it's had some great writers and great artists. I mean, uh, Rick Vetch and, and, and Steve Besight and, um, of course, Bernie, uh, Bernie, uh, uh, Bernie, Wrightson, uh, Wrightson, the yeah. the original artist. I mean, yeah, a Swamp Thing's awesome, but Man Thing. I, I don't think I, I've I've seen Man Thing like appear in Marvel books, but he's never really held his own book. I don't really know long. much about him. He's he's a monster. Um, he's not he's he's not the multi dimensional character that Swamp Thing is. How about just the um, thing? Oh. <laughs> Oh well, I mean that's hard to say. I'd ha- I I might go with the thing because the thing is just, you know, iconic. You can't beat that'd ben be Grimm. a hard one. Yeah. Huh? You can't beat yeah, Ben Grimm. Yeah. He's you know he's the ever loving thing. <laughs> and as bad as as the Fantastic Four films uh, were, and and are, uh, and they are they're they're terrible. Uh, but Michael Chiklis is like, was like perfect casting. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I still he was think. Great yeah, and he was he was he was pretty good. I thought the first Fantastic Four for its time, you know, when they had made like no good superhero movies, it was decent. I, I agree. But the the second one was trash. I mean, and <laughs> and and they were working with like the best Marvel story like ever. Well, good news it should is have been great. Good news is there's hope for redemption because the uh, next wave of Marvel movies is bringing in the Fantastic Four and the X Men in the MCU. They, they, yes. Are you serious? Yes. yes. That's Dude. what I heard. I mean, and it's t- it's time. The Fantastic Four needs a comeback. I mean, because I, I feel like they've 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 been ignored for too long, and and. Uh, I mean, they're they're just the flagship Marvel characters in a lot of ways, and um, well, the yeah, breakthrough they're... the breakthrough was Spider Man. Once yeah. once Marvel got Spider Man, uh, shared custody of Spider Man in film, they were able to get shared custody of uh, Fantastic Four and the X Men. So that now opens up the whole the whole uh, oh, I'm that category of I'm their universe for that. I, I I think it could be, I think it could be an amazing. I would love to see an MCU version of of the X Men. I would love to see yeah. that. Yeah, oh, they're they're coming out with another X Men movie soon. I saw the poster for it, the Dark yep. Phoenix. Yep. Yeah. All right, last one. We've just come out of the holidays, and so um, holiday food is on my mind. And this is for Father Jonathan: uh, fruit cake or eggnog. <laughs> this is gonna sound strange. I'm not sure I've actually ever had eggnog. Um, really? I might have at some point, and I just can't remember. Now, help me out here. Is eggnog alcoholic? Uh, it can be. It's it's it doesn't not have to be. Okay, you know, it doesn't um, have to be. be. 
it's sold in would you yeah, say it should, should be? be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I would never drink it just without alcohol. Would you say so that I, some I spiked eggnog alcohol, would be I, like the appropriate holiday uh, food version of Aquaman the film would be spiked eggnog? <laughs> I no, I actually think eggnog's quite good. Um, uh, I, I think I, I guess I have to go with fruitcake because I've actually had fruitcake. Um, I can't say I'm a huge fan of either one, although I know, Father Kyle, that, that you and your family uh, enjoy the fruitcake quite a bit. We do. My wife yeah. made a wonderful fruitcake this year, and it was a boozy fruitcake, <laughs> uh, so Father Matt would be able to have it. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a great reputation to have. Yeah. Don't light a match near Father Matt, because uh, he'll go up, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's all i've got <laughs> all right well then uh that's that's all we've got for our show uh, uh today uh if you want to listen to the show again or you want to check out our growing archive of old shows please check out our website at godandcomics.com uh, God and Comics is also subscribable through iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, please, please, we beg of you, take the time to give us a rating or a review or both. Uh, it'll only take a few seconds of your time, and it absolutely helps other people to find the show. Our theme music, which you're hopefully banging your head to right now, is by Father Paul Wheatley, whose uncanny ability to breathe underwater is the result of a pact he made with a magic fish that he would only use his powers to rid the world of overpriced seafood restaurants. Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michikin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. And we'll see you.